Welcome to Trust the Journey. I'm Melanie Curtis. And I'm Jason Maletsky. <laughs> Our mission is to live, laugh, love, and learn together with you. We're here to create conscious connections through our practice of openness, honesty, humility, vulnerability, and trust. Trusting the entire journey. Absolutely. Yeah, team, family, if you want to find us on the internet, go to trustthejourney.today. That's where our website is. That's our Instagram as well. Uh, if you want to join us in the Trust the Journey family heading into the new year, you are welcome to do that. We expand the conversation and support each other and really, again, sort of do do what we say, you know, do what our mission is in that group where we're creating those conscious connections and expanding that dialogue. So please join us. Donate via Patreon. That button is on our website and we will add you to the private Facebook group. But yeah, that's that's about it. But I say we dive right in. Sounds good. Yeah. So today I we are hearing uh, Jay's short story, which we'll find out what that is soon. And we're just wanting to say happy holidays to everyone. Yeah. Yay. It is that giving time of year when we all feel like uh, we've gone from the gratitude session in the Thanksgiving period into the giving period with the, uh, the Christmas or the seasonal holidays, depending on what your approach to them is. Yeah, absolutely. And I also really like to just impress upon anyone listening, myself included, friends, loved ones, people who don't feel like they have family, you know, that we're not alone. You know, I just want to say that really straight away that like, you are loved. We love you. And it's a weird time because some people really love it. I can get really silly and nonsensical with my embracing of Christmas nonsense and all the decorating. I really like that. But some people really don't like that. They really feel sad. And I really always want to honor and have deep compassion for people in this time because it's especially weird when we can't travel. And even if you do have people, you might not be around them. So... Yeah, just we love you, and we are in this together no matter what it looks like. Amen to that. You so know, why last, don't you? Oh, well, last, I was just going to say last year, right around this time, I was at a friend's place. We, we were doing a little trip together, and um, <clears throat> we had stopped by her mother's, and mother and aunts and grandmas and cousins and everybody was all at the house there together. And what they were doing was building this great big diorama. And so I guess over decades, they've been contributing year after year after year elements to this diorama. And the diorama takes up the entire front room of the house. Oh my gosh, wow. So it, yeah, it is not a small house and it is not a small diorama. And it is basically <laughs> the entire town of Bethlehem. Right? Wow. So they have made this whole scene where you walk in the door and the room to the right of the house, it wraps around all the walls, all the way around at about countertop height. And it's got hills and buildings and pastures and mangers and all these little sub scenes going on everywhere. And really, the whole point of it is that the family spends a whole bunch of time together yeah. doing art. 
making yeah. an art piece, right? It's really about the fact that they're being creative, they're having fun, they're doing a tradition uh, in which, you know, grandmothers, mothers, daughters, all working together. And it's really the women all gathered into this, you know, this culture of sharing and creating together. And it was really cool to see, even though it's not a cultural, uh, emblematic cultural icon to me, that that's not something that I personally cherish as something that's a spiritual um representation of my beliefs it was still really nice to see how the family could wrap around something that they felt brought them all together and gave them something to really just cherish and uh share time just a simple reason to share time together yeah totally and i i really do believe and have seen have witnessed in myself and others friends that i know how the holidays maybe can be sad, like we said, and can also transform with a new approach to it, with a new sort of reframed mindset around it, with a new just curiosity to try something new. Like, for example, my friend Mark Brand, he's an amazing chef, and he put this thing, he put this thing online, I thought it was the coolest thing, where he basically invited everybody to like a free cooking class with him, if they felt alone, if they felt orphaned, like, you know, he really is like, you're not alone, period. If you can't afford groceries, drop me a line, I'll buy them for you. Like, he's a real generous heart, and a real, he's super committed to creating spaces where people can gather and community and connection can be fostered and formed which is of course obviously it's so much (laughs) what we do here but like one of the main big reasons why I so love and respect him but yeah that's something interesting and even my co-working space this morning uh, in the times of COVID we're meeting virtually and stuff but they had this little contest where they invited people to like dress up silly and and really bring their cheer and spirit to the call. And anybody who knows me in skydiving knows that I did that for years, right? Where I dressed up in costume and I, I brought energy and f- facilitated fun and was willing to look silly for the sake of helping others let their own guards down as well. And it was just this funny, silly, nonsensical thing. I here I'll I'll show you. I wore. I wore both of these, so if you're not watching the video, you're missing out, but it's basically two two different sequin-colored, uh, you know, reindeer headbands, and I look really good in them, Rainbow so you're antlers. welcome. Rain- antlers, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, antlers with the ears. Yeah. But anyway, the point I'm trying to make is that we can embrace something that was formerly painful in a new way and transform it and... Uh, and it's not that we need to do that, just that that possibility exists if we ever wanted to, to lean into that for ourselves as well. Well, I'm going to share a picture here, which I shared on Facebook recently. It's one of many. Uh, oh, yes. This <laughs> yes. is a little 
photo of that I took of myself. Same thing, like embrace the cheer, like take the opportunity that you can to go ahead and be silly because hilarity and laughter, it really does lighten the mood. It makes the painful parts or the hard parts, the things that are tough on us, it makes them go by a lot more quickly and easily if we can just laugh at ourselves and our own ridiculousness. Yes. Just a emotional bag of smelly water you know (laughs) (laughs) for those who are not watching the video i just want to very briefly describe jay has this rainbow pillow completely holding his head and he's doing a modified fish face (laughs) (laughs) that's my normal face So, Jay, we want to hear your story. Tell us what's been going on lately with you. Okay, so, I mean, thanks, Mel. Um, you know, for all of our listeners who've been listening any time recently, I moved from Florida out west in the last few months, and I've really been loving um, living out of my sprinter van, which I spent the last year building in order to enable myself the comforts of home wherever I go and the freedom to roam and adventure and be able to access places that allow me that deep connection with nature that I truly, truly cherish. Uh, And so for the last few months, I've been based in the Moab area, uh, exploring a lot of different places around here. I've been uh, wingsuit base jumping again from some of the cliffs in the area, um, doing some tracking at a cliff nearby and um, some stand-up paddle boarding, riding my dirt bike, connecting with friends, playing music, and a lot of paragliding. And I learned to paraglide about three years ago officially. I actually took a real course and went and got proper training from a highly respected instructor. And I did the um, full immersion type approach to it where I got an RV, I parked it at the paragliding site for three months, and I did paragliding. So that that's what I was learning rather than dribs and drabs and little yeah. pieces here and there. I really th- feel like when you want to learn something, the best way to do it is to dive in, uh, dive in the deep end and go and learn it. Yeah, so that was. Oh, no, I was just going to say it's like learning a language you move to. You move there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. So I did that three years ago back in 2017. And for the last couple years I've owned a paraglider and I've been flying wherever the opportunity presents itself all over uh, the U.S. and Norway and really just enjoying this new sport that I've picked for myself and seeing so many of my friends doing the same thing because it's a it's a lower impact sport overall where there's no parachute opening um, and the landings are generally tiptoe soft like ballerina landings so it's enabled me to get back in the air in a way, excuse me, <coughs> in a way where um, I could really enjoy some slow flight and not feel like I have so much more risk of the high performance parachutes. Um, for those people who know me, I suffered a back injury back in 2014. In 2014, my professional canopy piloting career ended abruptly with a lower back injury, a herniated disc that basically took me out of the sport entirely for the next, say, four years. And um, yeah, so I've been loving paragliding, 
I've been meeting so many of my friends from other sports and really just enjoying this new form of flight of launching off a hillside, flying around, landing right back where you took off from if you have a good flight, um, and learning all the different aspects involved in it. So on this past weekend, um, I guess it's, yeah, it was last weekend now. Which is why I'm like, I can't even believe we're talking. Keep going. (laughs) So I had posted up on the Friday morning or Saturday morning. I think it was the Friday morning. I posted up at the site knowing the conditions were forecasted to be really good for flying and a friend of mine had mentioned hey they're going i'm like yeah i think i'm ready to go um i hurt had hurt my shoulder about a month ago and my shoulder's feeling up to it it's not perfect yet but i have all the stress i did all the tests that i needed to do like pull on it in every direction and i'm like okay i feel solid i don't feel any weaknesses anywhere if i need strength i have strength i'll probably have some pain afterwards but hey no pain no gain body responds really well to exercise let's go exercise let's have some play body always also body and mind also respond very well to play Mm -hmm. so i went out yeah (laughs) for sure right yeah so i went out there and i spent uh the first day there i just watched i just spent the whole day watching everybody fly and observing how the ridge worked and kind of what the place was like. And I had a bunch of business meetings I needed to do as well. So I was able to just do remote work from my van and observe all the types of flying that were going on, watch all the kiting, see who was there, meet a bunch of friends. And uh, did a bunch of kiting later that day when the winds were good and there was less traffic and I felt like I was up to it. Um spent the entire following day flying as much as possible just having a great time up and down the ridge all day long uh learning the site landed at the bottom a few times landed at the top a bunch of times really just having a good time flying at that place and taking in the scenery and it's an epic view um, when you're there where you're parked the parking area is right next to the launch point and you've got a 360 degree panorama that looks about 30 miles either direction east or west you got about 60 mile view wow and about 15 or 20 miles north and south Mm -hmm. so it's this incredible area just near the colorado utah border wow near i-70 uh near grand junction or fruta colorado and um on the sunday yes it was sunday um got up conditions were light started flying kiting kiting for a while kiting for a while a bunch of us standing out there got up early it was nice and brisk and cold it was about four or five of us just out there kiting for about half an hour an hour and as the conditions started to show that they were strong enough to fly i started flying i probably flew for a good two hours um probably took off around 9 30 first flight and over the next two hours up and down the ridge, lots of landings, lots of takeoffs, really just loving the whole flow state. of You really just feel like a bird, you know? You're like, I'm just hanging around here. Just, I think I'll take off and fly for a little bit. And then when I get tired of flying, I'll land for a minute and hang out. I'll take a pee, come back, <laughs> you know? Yeah, fly neat. some more, fly some more. And I had, the wind was starting to get a little stronger and the 
conditions are starting to heat up. It was 1120, I would say. So it's right when the thermal action starting to engage, which makes the air a little bit less stable because there are kind of these bubbles of warm air mm -hmm. that detach from the surface and start to rise up. So if you think about like a a soda, like a soda water and those little bubbles of CO2 that mm -hmm. rise up out of the bottom. Mm -hmm. They're just kind of in there, right? Like it's just, they pre-exist and, and then off they go and they bubble up to the surface. Mm -hmm. Well, the warm air and the thermals work in a similar kind of way where they just start to rise up through the other air that's around. And so the air was starting to become a little bit more active with a light amount of thermal pop and the wind was starting to pick up a little more pace which makes it more flyable it means there's more to work with but it wasn't consistent yet it was still just starting to move from like a low wind to a medium level wind um i was taking note i was paying attention to that yeah yeah mm-hmm that's good. I mean, you're immersed in your environment. You are highly respectful. Correct me if I'm wrong. You're, it seems like you're being highly respectful of the conditions, of the location, of the sport itself, of the activity with your wing, your own mind being able to get through your business meetings. And now you're focused on just flying and you're in a state of enjoyment. You're monitoring that. I'm, that's what I feel like I'm hearing. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, and, and and the night evening before, and uh, the the days before, and even that morning, I received some feedback from some of the more experienced glider pilots about things that I could do to improve upon how I was flying. Little little tricks about when to shift your weight versus when to move your hands, yep. or how to hold the toggle to get a little bit more feedback, and mm -hmm. just things to think about. And all you know, the same kind of finesse coaching that I would offer a canopy piloting students. And I'm all ears. I love it when people who have an education and have the ability to um, share knowledge in an effective way are willing to do so. Absolutely. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah. Amen. So, I've, yeah. I just want to quickly put a pin in that because that is so awesome and, and very, very much something I believe in of being very generous with your knowledge, with the things that you know in a sport that has risks that are really r severe. You know what I mean? It, I feel like it's really a part of the culture of our sport and skydiving, but I mean, I love hearing about that in other sports that have mortal and physical risk, that that's the culture. You know, I just feel like that's really important. It's something I believe in really strongly as a leader, as a coach, and I hope I'm modeling it for other coaches coming up after me to who are going to be the future leaders in the sport. Yeah, I'll second that. Yeah, yeah so... Um, so you're yeah, getting been, this advice. Yeah, so I've had some mm -hmm. advice. I'm working in that morning to put a lot of it into practical application, like really conscious of where I need to be smoother and really had some good breakthroughs. I was really starting to see, I'm like, ah, light bulbs are going off. You know, cool. if I do things a little different or do my timing this first versus that, then I start to get better results and how I'm able to maintain my lift during a turn, all these different variables. And things are going well. 
Um, but like I said, I noticed that the air was starting to get a little bit poppy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, we're probably going to be hitting the end of our session here soon. Like yep. it's going to start changing to conditions that are worthy of acknowledging. And, and, you know, as an amateur, it's probably time to sit down. And I had a nice little pocket of lift pop me up. And I was really taken in the view. I was a little higher than I had been. And I got this quick flash. Just this little, it's kind of like somebody literally flashed a flash bulb mm. and it got a Kodachrome, kind of like everything kind of changed color for a second. And I get these premonitions, I've had them my whole life, uh, where they feel like, and I don't know whether this is the case or not, but this is the sensation is that I have dreamt this before. Mm. I've had a dream that didn't make any sense at the time when I had the dream. But some dream is playing out a story of some type. And in that dream, I see this flash of a scene. And this particular one uh, gave me this instant knowing, like, oh, no, this is the dream where you crash and get hurt. Right? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I felt it. And I'm like, oh, oh, okay. I don't generally take these premonitions lightly i usually listen to them very clearly Mm -hmm. the big thing is that rarely are they negative rarely Mm. do they have like an an implication of something dangerous or having an outcome other than here you are on your course or Mm -hmm. on your path kind of thing most of the time most of the time they feel like boom i'm in a scene i'm in a car with melanie we're going somewhere it didn't make any sense at the time when I had the dream, but then when it happens in real life, I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes total sense. <laughs> right, yeah, right, right. Oh, yeah, that's right. I yeah. knew this. I knew this was going to happen. Got it. Yeah, exactly. Got it. So that kind of stuff happens all the time. And and I consider it little reminders that I'm on my course, that I'm on my path. Like, like the universe is telling me, yep, you're exactly where you're supposed to be. Here's that little bit of insight that tells you you're, you're on the path you're supposed to be on. And these are the people you're supposed to be with. These are the mm-hmm. places. These are the things that destiny mm-hmm. or whatever word, higher power mm-hmm. or some kind of intelligence mm-hmm. has in store for my journey. And I include myself in that higher power statement. You know, I'm mm-hmm. a part of that decision making process. And in this scenario, I felt it, and it had a little sour taste. It had a little, <gasps> and I'm like, oh, ooh, that's worthy of note. Mm-hmm. I've had this before. Mm-hmm. I've been standing on an exit point in Switzerland, mm-hmm. flown halfway across the world, put years and years of work into learning to become a skydiver, into becoming a base jumper, into becoming a wingsuit pilot, mm-hmm. travel halfway around the planet. I've made half a dozen or a dozen jumps already. I'm standing on an exit point, and I have this instant knowing not to do this. Mm. And I've stopped, stepped literally fully geared up, stepped back from the exit point, unzipped everything, taken it all off, put it all back in the bag, walk back up the mountain, take back a ride back down to my hotel and literally change my flight, pack up all my stuff and go home. Wow. Right. Powerful. I've done this that multiple is, times. 
that is such an amazing, beautiful example of trusting yourself, of trusting your intuition, of really trusting that connection to something greater, bigger, more intelligent than, quote, us, even though we're all of it. You know what I'm saying? But that's really beautiful. And I just love that as a powerful example of leadership in trusting yourself. And, and honestly, that's the core message here. That is the core message. I felt that same kind of niggly little like something in my stomach's not right here. Mm-hmm. My gut knows that there's something wrong that I need to chit and I not, not do this. And it's a tricky one because, you know, fear will try to trick us into not doing the things that we really want in our lives in the same way that our instinct will try and protect us. And there's a really thin line dividing the difference between an instinctual knowing I shouldn't do this and fear trying to supplant itself as that instinct preventing you from leaning into your goals and aspiring to become your true self. Exactly right. It's exactly right. It's such an interesting, nuanced skill over time that we can, yeah. And we're going to get it wrong. Uh Uh-huh, absolutely. We we are going to get it wrong. Mm -hmm. We're going to get it right, and we're going to get it wrong. There's times when we're going to hear our instinct tell us, don't do this, it's the wrong thing, and we're going to be, shut up, fear. I know what I'm doing. (laughs) Fuck it. I'm going anyways, you know? Exactly And then we go, bam. Damn, I knew that. I knew it. My gut told me. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And and then there are the times where our our fear is going, don't do this. Scared. You go be scared. Back down. Retreat. Hide. Crawl away. You know, there's nothing forcing you to do this. You can quit. And then and then we look and we go, no. No, I'm not afraid of this. I practiced. I prepared. I trained. I am willing to take the risk and I embrace this and I go wholeheartedly forward with enthusiasm and positivity and I manifest the reality that's about to occur. Yeah. Amen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a, it's a fine line and you know, we never know whether we're making the right or the wrong decision until exactly. 2020. Until, until we live it, exactly. Until that's 2020. 2020 hindsight. Oh my God, what a fucking comical parallel. <laughs> oh my Lord. Yep. Wow. You only know after the fact whether or not you were being instinctually guarded or fearfully paralyzed. Yep, you know? exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Well, in this scenario, um, I felt the feeling. I recognized it. I acknowledged it. I thought, yep, time of day, amount of time I've been flying for, potential fatigue, Um air conditions, just all the things and the wiggliness of the feeling, which I had been in flow. I had been just cruising, like having fun, you know, mm-hmm. like really having fun flying and in smiling and laughing and friends going by and being like, woo, you know, and just living it up. And when I got that feeling, it was like somebody poured cold water down my back kind of thing, you yeah. know, in the yeah. midst of it all. And I'm like, oh, shit. Okay. So I decided, I'm like, okay, I'm pretty high right now relative 
to where I wanted to land. Uh, landing area would have been about 50 feet beneath, 60 feet beneath, a little too high for the glide ratio of the glider to just set it down there. Mm-hmm. So I started losing some altitude. I made a pass to see how much altitude I could lose. And I still was going to end up being a little too high to make a safe landing, considering the other traffic that was in the area. There mm-hmm. were st- another half a dozen gliders that were ready to take off or kiting or flying already. So I let the pass go by. I did a go around. Mm-hmm. Flew down the ridge, intentionally let the glider lose some altitude on the glide down the ridge. And as I was coming back around, thinking, taking another pass at the landing area, uh, the side of the landing area I was looking at was fairly busy. And I wanted to land on the other side, which was a little more open. And I got back into that flow state of just flying, just going, just and I kind of let that flash bulb of insight kind of drift away mm-hmm. and like not maintain the awareness that what I need to do right now is get down on the ground, be safe, round off this session of flying and put it in my pocket as one to be like, yeah, that was a great day of flying. I got two and a half hours of flight in, blah, blah, blah. You know, I can sit down now, have a cup of tea or coffee, enjoy the morning, watch some people fly, maybe kite some more, mm-hmm. finish it off. And instead, as I came back around, I hit that same lift pocket that I'd been riding earlier and did another did another pass. I'm like, shh, zooming yeah. around, you know, and I'm like, man, this is so fun. And... As I came back around, again, I wasn't in the mind frame of setting up for landing anymore. I was back in this just, I'm just having fun flying. I had forgotten so quickly what my gut had been trying to tell me. And in the next moment, just like that, I see a few gliders coming towards me. We're all on the same height. No big deal. Normal, normal happens all the time. Mm Mm-hmm. I decide, is there room for me to be on the inside? No. Is there room for me to go on the outside? I'm like, well, yeah. If I go all the way outside, I'm going to be three gliders out because there's three kind of stacked up in a row. And that's going to put me well outside the lift band. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to lose altitude. And it probably is going to mean that I'm going to start descending and end up landing at the bottom. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to land on the top. Okay. Yeah. So a little ego. Mm Mm-hmm. Go ahead and put some ego in there. I'm mm-hmm. not afraid to say I've got an ego and it gets the best of me at times. Mm-hmm. So I decided instead of sweeping outside these guys and passing them, these people uh, head on, that I would do a quick 180 turn level flight like I'd been practicing that morning mm-hmm. and head the same direction as everybody else so that we're all flying in the same direction. And when I did so... I executed the maneuver very abruptly. Uh, quite a gir- I had been in a fairly slow flight mode. I abruptly engaged a right-hand turn with a fairly heavy anchor on my hand. Like I planted my hand fairly solidly. And as I started to sweep around, what happens with a glider it is they have a really high aspect ratio. They're really long from left to right, and they're very narrow from front to back. So the span is the width, and the cord is the length from the front to the back. Got it. 
And so when you make a sharp turn, the wingtip on the inside basically stops because you're kind of pivoting around it. You could think about like if you were running along and you grabbed a pole and you did a like 180 degree swing around the pole, you could grab the pole with your hand and your body would do this big arc all the way around the pole, but your hand stays anchored to the pole. It doesn't actually go anywhere. It just turns in place. Mm-hmm. So effectively what I did was I stopped my right wing tip and the rest of the wing is sweeping around it, but a wing can't stop. You can't make a wing stop in the air. It has to be going somewhere. And so what happens is it starts to go backwards. It started to change direction on me. And I caused a stall of my right wing tip. What the wing does is then the left wing tip tries to catch up and spins forward and end up with a, a spin. So mm-hmm. the, the wing starts to rotate on its central axis. And it kind of looks like a helicopter where the, where the wing tips are spinning around and I'm directly underneath it problem with that is i was only about 25 feet up Mm -hmm. and you lose the altitude very quickly when you go into a spin Mm -hmm. so um then in the moment i recognized the stall occurring i attempted to correct it move the parachute the glider back into a level flight arrangement but not enough time not enough altitude and eminent impact Mm -hmm. yeah Damn. Yeah. Well, I pretty much knew you're here. That, yeah, me too. You're here. So that speaks volumes as to at least the severity of the accident. Although I want to hear more if you can share. I know we don't have a lot of time left for today, but if you can share. Yeah. So if you're really lucky, like, are you super lucky or are you just like, no, this is, it was okay. It wasn't too far up. It wasn't like it was a hundred feet, you know, like I don't actually know, you know what I mean? Whether you're just yeah. lucky as fuck or whether it wasn't as bad as I might put my, my brain might try to go into because I don't really I know would, what I'm listening to. Yeah. I would say it's not that bad. I mean, 25 cool. feet anywhere between 10 and 25 feet of fall is a severe fall it's high trauma but it's not like 100 yeah there's a big difference Mm -hmm. you know so i didn't expect that i would die from the impact as long as i didn't hit any rocks Mm -hmm. which i didn't so that's the big takeaway is that i got lucky and i hit a soft slope Mm -hmm. didn't hit any rocks I had an airbag on my glider. So the harness type that I'm wearing has some protection involved in it. Oh, great. Yeah. And that offers some um, cushion to the fall. Mm -hmm. And also the whole recovery. I mean, I've I've been on enough trauma scenes to know. I knew as soon as I was on the ground, I'm like, I'm not moving. I'm going to stay perfectly still until they do a full assessment. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to squirm around, try to get to my feet, nothing like that. Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, stayed conscious the whole time and had an awesome team. Uh, my friends and family in the Sky family, everybody's a backcountry medic, an EMT, a rope yeah. person. Family's just fantastic. Mm-hmm. So it was really, a, even though it was a painful, it was a fairly fun experience on the hillside going through the whole rescue recovery thing. I've never been the rescuee before. Oh my gosh. So. That's so funny how you're like describing that. It's like, it was kind of fun. I, I mean, again, if we talk about 
sort of real-time reframing skills or real-time really assessing the gratitude, real-time assessing the positives of experiences, you know what I mean? But what what actually happened to you? What did you hurt? So I um, fractured my L3, the third lumbar vertebrae. has got a clean break all the way through, so it's snapped in half, basically. It's also got a bunch of compression fracture where it's kind of crunched and broken bits. Um, the two vertebrae below it l2 and l1 also have compression fractures in them but they're fairly solid they're they look like a vertebrae should look they're not too bad i feel pretty lucky i've seen so many x-rays so many scans and mris from other friends and fellow athletes that are much worse than mine so i really don't consider this to be uh, a serious Mm -hmm. injury relative to some of the carnage that i've seen over the years and even one of my friends, Jean-Louis Calbert, he posted a picture. And he's like, oh, we both got the same Christmas presents, you know. Oh, his man. back looks way worse than mine. Oof. I'm like, oh, brother, oh, you know. Yeah, wow. so. yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, I am really surprised that you're able to be recording right now and talking right now. I was, I was really not anticipating that. I was, I was, you know, from a partnership perspective, I was like, We'll just take the week off, you know, we'll just chill, you heal, we don't need to talk. The family, the our listeners will certainly not care if we are a few days late publishing. Like, it's just, you know, I'm, all of that stuff was all totally chill in my brain. And then the fact that you were like, no, I can t- I can talk. I just got to get my stuff out of my van. I was like, whoa, cool. Oh, great. <laughs> like meaning you're OK, such yeah. that you could do that. Like that was yeah. like really good news from from where I sit. Thanks. Yeah, I'm extremely limited right now. I can I can toddle about for a short <laughs> period of time. You know, I could walk to and from the kitchen, bathroom, that kind of stuff. I'm not going for a, I don't think I'd go around the block yet. Yeah. Um, but I do want to say that the anchor for this entire experience is gratitude. Yeah. Um, from the very second of impact and being able to maintain presence here on this planet through the experience, the wave of gratitude begins there, right? First of all, I'm still here. Thank you. Second, I'm able to think. Thank you. I can feel my fingers and toes. Thank you. I hear somebody calling my name. Thank you. And just down the list for one after another for the people who scurry down the hillside to the people who fly in in the helicopter to the people who carry me out on the gurney to the nurses who are there through the night shift checking on my pain levels and emptying my pee jug and doing all the things that need to be done to my friends John and jesse who've put me up in their house here uh to take care of me to all the hundreds of people who've sent me loving messages to check in on me um to just every single beautiful being and i'm not going to limit this to humans because it's about every being moxie's been in here this little pup she's been in here just pouring love all over me like she's like oh he's hurt i'm gonna come lay next to him i'm gonna cuddle him you know and the gratitude i have for simply being able to receive this love you know that's the anchor to it all so when i say am i okay yeah i'm able to receive love i'm able to give love reflect it back and be a source of gratitude for all these energies when you just shared about 
your gratitude for being here. I just totally felt like I was going to cry. <laughs> just really grateful you're here. Oh, thanks. Man. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just like, I'm not sorry that I'm crying, but I'm just like, whew, I'm so thankful that you're here. Yeah, me too. Me, me <laughs> too. I, I got a lot of love. stuff to do still. It's love. So much love for you, my friend. Oh, man. The gratitude is strong when it comes up like this. It's like, man, it really is mega gratitude. Like, you know what I mean? Anyway. Gratitude is the attitude. (laughs) Oh, but family, we love you so much. And I mean, God, you hold space for us just the same as we hope that we hold for you and when we express our gratitude for you listening and being here with us as a part of our journey, quite literally, we really, we really, really mean it. Thank you for being here and we love you. And kind of like we started this episode, the, the cheesy lines are not cheesy, you know, like really let's all do our best to keep laughing, keep loving and, and keep trusting our own journey, whatever that may look like. But, uh, Jay, I love you. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You be careful out there. All the listeners, you know, listen to your instincts. Don't be afraid to step back if you don't feel it. I'll just close with one little thing is that a couple weeks back, a month back, I was up on top of a mountain. One of my best friends, love him dearly. He'd been up there for a few hours. It's a long hike, man. It's hours and hours to get up there. He's like, I'm not feeling it. Down Love he it. goes. Yep. Down he goes. You know? yep. Follow your heart. Follow the your sunk instinct. Cost. Yeah. yeah. Don't fall for the sunk cost fallacy. Just yeah. because you've put a lot of work into something, if your instinct is telling you it's a no, it's a no. Yep. Love it. Well, happy holidays, everyone. Love yeah. you. Onward we go. Jay, thank you for sharing. And until next time. Bye, everyone. We love you.